Last week when we kicked off this uh, whole series, we talked about this encounter that Jesus had with some of his followers. They were uh, hanging out and some of his closest friends, and he asked them a very uh, poignant question, a very pointed question, uh, a very significant question for a multiple number of reasons. One of them is it was both a question and a statement. And the question he asked them was this, who do you say I am? It's a question He's asking them to answer, but it's a statement because he includes the phrase, I am. And that phrase is, is full of implication because it signifies to a Jewish listener, the phrase, I am, represented the sacred name of God. And so when you say it as a noun, who do you say I am? He's taking upon himself, Jesus is taking upon himself the, the deity of God. He's saying, I am God in the flesh. I have come as God, Emmanuel, God with us. And on that basis, he's asking them to decide what they're going to do about him. Are they going to accept him or reject him? And his closest friend, Peter, says, I have got an answer for you. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the very son of God. And in essence, Jesus is saying to all of us, what are you going to do with me? What are you going to do about me? I am God in the flesh. I came as a humble servant to make a way for you and for me and for everyone to experience grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. I am the great I am, the God who is all powerful, who created everything, who flung the stars in the sky, but I'm here with you. Who do you say that I am? But this series is not just about understanding that Jesus is God in the flesh. It's really about taking that question that Jesus asked. Who do you say I am and turning it back on ourselves? Who does Jesus say that I am? Who does Jesus say that you are? Who are we in Christ? When we accept that, uh, that reality and we say God came in the form of Jesus and we accept his love and his sacrifice and his act on the cross, what does that do for us? What does that change in us? So last week we learned that what one of the changes is this. It means that you and I are unconditionally accepted as God's children. When we come to God in faith, we're unconditionally accepted. The old has gone, the new has come. This week we're going to talk about what does God say about us when it comes to the word condemnation. A lot of us would say, although we might not say it out loud, but we would say, I know I am condemned. <laughs> I, I have messed up. I know what I've done. I know the mistakes I've made. I am condemned. And we walk around carrying condemnation, but that's not what Jesus says about us when it comes to condemnation. This is what the Bible says in Romans. It says, there is now no condemnation. Everyone say no condemnation. Not some, not a little bit, not like, hey, there's, there's, you know, most of the condemnation has been dealt with, but you can hold on to a little, you know, just a little amount, just a little, you know, handful. Like some of us do that. We just keep a little condemnation in our pocket, like a gym membership card, right? We have the gym membership card. We don't go to the gym, but we have the membership card. So if we want to go to the gym, we can. We feel like I, I don't have any condemnation. Well, a little bit. When I'm feeling good about myself, that's fine. But when the condemnation comes, I pull that out and go, yeah, that's exactly right. And we go visit the condemnation store. We just hold on to it. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you come to God through faith in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. There's none from him. We don't need to carry that anymore. Because through Jesus Christ, 
The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So when it comes to condemnation, this is what Jesus says. You are free, you are free, you are free, you are free from condemnation. You're free from it. You're no longer having to live in condemnation because of the act of Jesus. His sacrifice was complete and his spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. And because we're free from the law of sin and death, we're free from feeling condemned. We're free from the voice of condemnation. We're free from being found guilty. What is the law of sin and death? It's very simple. The law of sin and death is where there's sin, death results. Every time, every time. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it takes a while. Like you plant a seed and eventually you reap the harvest. When sin happens, death will always, always, always result. You know this. I know this. We've seen it, right? When you sin in a relationship, the relationship dies. When you cheat on a spouse, intimacy dies. When you lie to someone, trust dies. If you embezzle from your company, your career dies. Sin always brings death. But we're set free from the power of sin, which means we're free from the power of sin to cause us to sin, and we're free from the power of sin that condemns us for the sins that we've done. We can live free from those things because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, does that mean we're never going to sin? No, but it means we don't have to. We can live free from guilt, shame, and condemnation. We can live free from the power of sin. Here's what it says in 1 John. It says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Because of God's work through Jesus Christ, we are free from the power of sin. I've got a lot of Bible verses today. I could have given you a whole lot more, but this is so incredibly important because so many of us, even as followers of Jesus, walk around carrying mountains of condemnation, mountains of shame. Even though we just read there is no condemnation, we carry condemnation. We keep it in our pocket because it is who we identify ourselves as. But Jesus says you are free from condemnation. My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. You're free from the power of sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. In other words, you can live free from the power of sin. You don't have to sin. You don't have to perpetually give in to your neurotic impulses to live in carnal ways and to live in ways that are debased and violate the holiness of God. We're not just subject to a life of sin. But there are times when you're probably going to mess up. And when you do mess up, don't worry, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one who declares you free from guilt, shame, and condemnation. So what happens is we understand, okay, intellectually, I go to God, I ask him for forgiveness, and I'm forgiven, but I don't feel forgiven. I still remember what I said. I still remember what I thought. I still remember what I did, how I treated that person, how I behaved, the things I've looked at, the things I've done. And so we don't feel forgiven. And so we carry all this guilt, shame, and condemnation. And then when we sin, we say, see, see, I'm just like this. This is, this is who I am. I can't help it. But God says, listen, I know what you were going to do. I know what you are going to do. I know the beginning from the end, the first from the last. I sent Jesus to cover all your sin. When you, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, he doesn't just cover your sins from the past. He covers your sins from the past, the present, and the future. 
We, we have a hard time with that because we live life linearly, progressively. We know what we did. We know what we're doing. We don't know what's going to come. And so we think when I come to God in Jesus Christ and I ask him to forgive me, he forgives me for everything I have done. But when I mess up, I'm not forgiven. But God sees the first and the last. When Jesus died, he died for all your sins that you'd ever commit. That doesn't mean when you make a mistake, you don't go back to God and repent and say, I'm sorry, I, I, I want to change, I want to be different, I want to walk in victory in this area and ask him for forgiveness again. But he doesn't say you're condemned because of what you are going to do. You've come to me for forgiveness. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. See, this is what it says about Jesus' sacrifice. It says, Christ never sinned, but God put on him our sin. He put on Jesus your sin. But that was like 2,000 years ago. You weren't alive yet. Every sin you ever committed, the way we measure time, was in the future. <laughs> but 2,000 years ago, God put it on Jesus. So just because it's still the future for you from where we stand looking forward, it's still put on Jesus. It was all put on him through Jesus, uh, put on Jesus through God. Then we were made right with God because of what Jesus has done for us. So all, it's all because of Jesus, his work. He finished it. We're forgiven. We're free from guilt, shame, and condemnation. But again, we walk around carrying all this guilt, carrying all this shame. We say, I, I know I shouldn't feel like this, but I do feel like this. And we, we believe that, that somehow or other we're condemned. We're condemned because of what we've done, what we're doing, or what we might do. But again, this is what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He said, who then is the one who condemns you? What does it say? Let's say it all together. No one. No one condemns you. Then why do I feel condemned? We're going to talk about that. No one condemns you. Christ Jesus, who died and more than that was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for us. So if no one can condemn you, if no one does condemn you, why do we feel condemned? Because we believe the, uh, the lies of the enemy. So what happens is we have a spiritual enemy called Satan, the devil. And he is constantly, in Romans chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, I believe it says, uh, he, he is constantly accusing us day and night. He's hurling accusations against us. You know what they thought? You know what they did? You know how they behaved? I can't believe a Christian would act like that. I can't believe anyone would say those kind of things. If anybody anywhere ever knew what you did, they would hate you. And we hear those accusations over and over and over, and the accusations stick in our head. They stick in our mind. They get rooted in our hearts. And we say, that's who I am. That's what I've done. And then the enemy says, and because of that, you're condemned. You're condemned. And what we do is we think it's the voice of God condemning us, but God never condemns us. Who will condemn us? No one. No one will condemn us. That means God's not going to condemn us. God says you're free from condemnation. It's not God who's condemning us. It's no one condemning us. It's a lie from the enemy that's uh, thrown at us, an accusation that's thrown at us that makes us feel condemned. See, this is also what Jesus said about the devil. He said, the devil has nothing, 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 nothing to do with the truth. There is no truth in him, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 
There's no truth in him. See, the devil can't change who you are in Jesus. That is a fixed reality. What he can do is he can hurl accusations at you and lie to you that you're condemned and make you doubt that you are who God says you are. So imagine, this is how it plays out, right? Imagine it's a courtroom, right? And in the court, you have um, a judge, you have the defendant, you have the prosecuting attorney, and you have the defense attorney. Who's the one that will ultimately find you guilty or innocent? The judge. The judge is the only one that can, that can condemn. So you and I are the defendant. Our defense attorney, who's ever interceding for us, is Jesus. He's our defense attorney. Who's the prosecuting attorney? The devil. So what the devil does is he brings accusations. You know what this person did? You know what they said? And those accusations come at us and they make us feel condemned because we hear it over and over and over. But the judge says, you're innocent. You're not guilty. I don't condemn you. But we say, I heard all the things that were said about me. And I know how they make me feel. And so the words and the lies take root in our hearts. So what we need to remember is this. You and I, we are being falsely, we are being accused and made to feel falsely condemned. The accusations come and we take them on ourselves and we say we're condemned. But we're not condemned. Who can condemn you? No one. But we believe those lies. So what do we need to do? We need to stand on the truth. If the enemy is speaking lies, we need to stand on the truth. If you want to be free from condemnation, you need to stand on the truth. If you want to be free from guilt and shame, you need to stand on the truth. If you want to be free from the accusations of the enemy that says you are guilty, you're condemned, you need to stand on the truth because Jesus said this. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Another part, uh, Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, it starts by knowing me. If you know me as the truth, you cling to the truth of who I am, and you believe the truth of what I say about you, you are not condemned. You are not guilty. You are free from the power of sin. Hold on to that truth. But I remember what I did. You are free. You are not condemned. But I know what I said. You are free and not condemned. But I know what I looked at. You are free and not condemned. You have to remind yourself of that over and over and over again. And any time the lie from the enemy, the accusation comes and it makes you feel falsely condemned because it's false. The only one who can condemn you is God. And he says, I'm not going to condemn you. You've come to me and sought forgiveness. You're free. You say, but what about when I sin? What about when I mess up? I know it said that I have an advocate. Yeah, your defense attorney. So in other words, when you sin, right, God doesn't find you guilty. You've come to God. You've asked him to forgive you. He forgives you. You're his child, as we learned last week. But then you mess up and you sin. God doesn't say, now you're condemned. What did we learn last week? That when we sin, when we mess up, when we make a bad choice, it grieves the heart of our Heavenly Father. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, I want, I want more for you. I want, but don't live like that. Don't live at that level. Live up here. Live to where I've called you. Be different. Be changed. Be renewed. Be transformed. The old has gone. The new has come. He brings conviction to say, I want you to be different. But he doesn't condemn us. God never condemns. 
God wants to transform us, to make us more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. So when those accusations are being hurled at you and you are bringing on yourself false condemnation, what you have to realize is there is your advocate. There is your defense attorney. There is Jesus, and he is interceding for you. He's saying, listen, listen, you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. Look at me. He says, look at me. See this here? This side of me that was pierced for your sins. You're not condemned. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. See where those nails went in? You're not condemned. Look at me. I am alive. I am seated in heaven. I am making a place for you so that you can be with me forever. You're not condemned. You are free. You are free. The enemy wants to make us feel falsely condemned while God is screaming, you are forgiven and you are free. And yet so many of us believe the lie. There was a study that was done uh, a few years back of uh, over 1,700 uh, uh, Christians, people who profess to be Christians, say, I'm a follower of Jesus between the ages of 13 to 23. So in that about 10-year gap, um, they surveyed these people and they found some very interesting results. One of them was this, three out of every four, three out of every four believe that what they are struggling with is unique to them that no one is struggling with the things they're struggling with. Lust, sexual identity, um, greed, anger, self-image, how they, how they view their body. No, nobody knows what I'm feeling. Nobody's experiencing what I'm experiencing. I'm going through this alone. Three out of every four also said that they believe Jesus would help and intervene in someone else's life, but not theirs. That for some reason, God's not going to help them. I'm in this alone. Nobody knows what I'm going through, and God's not going to help me. And then the study went on and found that seven out of 10, 70%, said that they um, admit to hearing voice, a voice in their head, in their mind, in their thoughts, that just tells them over and over and over again, you are no good. You are no good. It makes them feel full of shame, feel unloved, feel unworthy, that no one knows what I'm feeling, that God's not gonna help me, and that there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. I don't believe that all these people are just hearing voices because they're schizophrenic. I believe they are hearing the voice of the enemy lying to them. Time accusing them over and over, lying day after day, night after night, moment after moment, filling their heads with lies. Because is that unique to them? No. It's the human experience. We all go through things, and most of us have experienced the same feelings, the same struggles, the same sense of uh, who we are and what do we do and how do we handle these emotions, anger and, and frustration and loneliness. All of us uh, are at a place where God will move and help. He doesn't, he's not a respecter of persons. He's going to help this person but not help this person. He's going to move in their life but not yours. He's going to move in anyone's life when we come to him and ask him. He may move supernaturally. He may move miraculously. He may move through a counselor. He may move through a, a pastor, a friend, a, a fellow Christian. He may move on a Sunday morning. He may move when you're driving down the car. Uh, but he will move in your life. And so we listen to the voice. And it's not just young people. We listen to the lies. And what do the lies intend to do? It intends to uh, destroy our concept of who God is. 
God's mad at me. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. God's yelling at me. He's not yelling at you. He's cheering you on. He wants great things for you. God wants to punish me. God doesn't want to punish you. God has uh, created you with a plan and a purpose. He wants you to fulfill everything he has. But the enemy's lies want to distort our relationship with God, destroy our relationship with him, make us view him different. It wants us to doubt him, and it wants us to question who we are in Christ. And so he attacks us in those things time and time and time again. And when we eventually believe the lies, what happens is we feel condemned. But who can condemn us? Right? You have to decide at some point, do I believe the Bible or do I believe what I feel? Do I believe psychotherapy? Do I believe um, what, what uh, the world t- teaches me, what culture says? Listen, I think there are times where they're, they're not in opposition, I think there are a lot of things that we learn through science and, and studies and all those kind of things that are very much in line with the Bible. But ultimately, you have to decide, am I going to stand on the truth of God's word or what I believe, what I feel, what I'm experiencing outside of God's word? And I have to, you have to decide, am I going to align my life and what I feel with the truth of God's word? Or am I going to try and just say, well, that's antiquated. What I feel is the highest reality. But if you're going to say, I'm a Christian, I'm going to live by the word of God, then the word of God says no one can condemn you. You are not condemned. So if you're not condemned, why do you feel condemned? Because you're condemning yourself. You are carrying self-condemnation because you've believed the lies. Because there's no one else that can condemn you. But you have said, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm full of shame. I'm embarrassed. I know what I did. I know what I said. I know what I looked at. What is self-condemnation? Self-condemnation is living with shame after you've come to God for forgiveness. See, once you come to God for forgiveness, you're not condemned. You're free. You're free from the power of sin. You're free from the voice of condemnation. But if you carry it, that's on you. You say, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. If somebody, if anyone, oh God, if anyone, somebody, anywhere ever found out what I did, what I think, my inner thoughts things I looked at, the things I wish I did, the things I, 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 I so often want to do, but I just somehow don't do, and, and, but, but I kind of wish I could. If I was able to, I probably would. We condemn ourselves for things that we haven't even done, but that we think about. If anybody ever knew, if anybody ever found out, oh, it would just be a disaster. And we carry all this condemnation around. And what happens is we end up stuck. We end up stuck in the, in the downward spiral of self-condemnation. So what does that mean? It means that we decide that this is who I am. And because this is who I am, this is all I'm ever going to be. Paul put it like this, writing to the Romans. He said, what a miserable person I am. I am miserable. I know it. I'm a mis- in different translations, I'm a wretched man. What a wretched man I am. That's who I am. I'm wretched. I'm miserable. I'm horrible. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I just constantly feel condemned. So here's what that downward spiral looks like, right? We come to God in Jesus Christ. We ask forgiveness. We are forgiven, but we don't feel forgiven. And because we don't feel forgiven and we're not standing on the truth, we're basing it on our feelings. We walk around carrying this condemnation. And then we sin again. Because we don't have to sin, we don't have to give into the power of sin, but there's times we do. And when we sin, we have an advocate, Jesus the righteous one, but we sin. And we sin and then we go back to God and we ask him to forgive us. But because we don't feel forgiven, now we feel doubly condemned. 
I know what I did back then. God forgave me. Now I did it again. And now I feel even worse. And then we do it again. And we feel even worse. And it's just this downward spiral. And on and on and on it goes. And we think if, if, if anybody ever found out, I'm just a phony. I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. And if anybody ever found out, what would they say about me? I am a miserable person. That's who I am. Maybe you've thought about those things. You say, I just hate myself. I hate myself for what I've done. I hate myself for what I've thought. I hate myself for what I've said. I've been angry. I yelled at my kids. I haven't been kind to my spouse. I lied and cheated and gotten away with it. And I'm just a miserable person. I know God's forgiven me, but I'm just terrible. But that's a lie from the enemy. And here's the wonderful thing. If you've ever wrestled with those things, if you have a hard time saying to yourself, I am forgiven and I am free. If that is hard for you to believe, you can say it, but it's hard for you to believe. It may be an indicator that that's an area where you have accepted the lie of the enemy and he's holding you in bondage. And you, see, and you feel like Paul saying, I'm just a miserable person. I'm just a miserable person and I'm stuck in this ever downward vortex. But Paul doesn't end there. There is hope for you. There's hope for me because there is hope for Paul. And this is the hope. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I am not just a miserable person. I can be free from guilt, shame, and condemnation because I can be forgiven. And when I come to God and accept forgiveness, he offers me freedom from condemnation. It is one of the greatest offers and yet so often we don't apply it. We come to God for forgiveness so that we don't go to hell. But we won't allow God to carry our guilt and our shame and our condemnation so we can experience the life of heaven here on earth. But that's what he wants for us. So Jesus has this encounter. It's a fascinating story. He's, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll tell you what happened. So he's there teaching one day. And um, they, there's this woman who uh, is being unfaithful to her spouse. Um, she's committing adultery. So we don't know if she's um, with a married man or if she's cheating on her husband, but she's caught in adultery. And here's Jesus teaching. And the, the people that found out that she was uh, having an affair drag her into the street and they throw her at Jesus' feet. No regard for her as a human being. They throw her at his feet. And they say, hey, you, uh, you teacher, master, rabbi, you who claim to be God in the flesh, you God man, you know, if you're God, you gave us the law and the law is good and right and holy. And so God man, if you gave us the law and the law says that this woman caught in adultery deserves to be put to death, what do you say we should do with her? So they're, they're kind of mocking God. Or mocking Jesus. Now, Jesus doesn't really care about what they say about him. He sloughs that off. He did his whole ministry. He's like, whatever, you could say anything you want about me, but I care about this woman. And so he kneels down. The Bible says he starts writing in the sand, and we don't know what he wrote, but he just began to write. After a few moments, a few minutes, he pauses, he stands up, and he looks at all these accusers. And he says, You're right, the law is good, and it is holy. And the God who gave the law is good and holy. The God who gave the law is perfect, and the law is perfect. So if you want to walk out the letter of the law, then you better be as perfect and good and holy as the God who gave the law. So if you are, 
then go ahead, pick up a stone and kill her. If you've never sinned, if you've done this perfect, if you've never made a mistake, go ahead. Be the first one. And the Bible says one by one, they dropped their stones and walked away. Then it says Jesus knelt back down and began to write in the sand again. And again, we don't know what he wrote. But after a few minutes, he stands up. And this is what he says. It says, Jesus stood up and looked at the woman and says to her, where are they? Some translations say woman. Where are they? And we think that's like kind of derogatory. Woman? Where are they? It's not. He's actually speaking value to her. He says, you're not an adulteress. You're not someone who had an affair. You're not just a prop for these guys to try and trap me. You are a woman. You are valuable. You are made in God's image. You are a daughter of the king. And don't ever forget that. You are precious. Some translations say, dear lady. He says, you are precious. He says, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. I think there's this moment where he says, where are they? You have this precious woman. Where are they? Who are, they? Where are they? all those people who condemn you? Where are they? And she says, no one. But I wonder if in her thoughts, she says, there's no one to condemn me but me. I condemn myself. I know what I did. I know who I was with. I know the very thing I was doing. I don't know how many times I did it before I got caught. And I know why I got dragged out in the street. And I know I deserve everything that they said I deserve. No one's condemning me, but I condemn myself. And I wonder if that's why Jesus said, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Stop condemning yourself. You don't need to live like this. Be different. Be changed. But don't walk around carrying self-condemnation. You are forgiven and you are free. See, forgiveness in Christ brings freedom from condemnation. That's what will free you from condemnation. Forgiveness in Christ. It is offered there. What we have to do is we have to accept it. We have to walk in it. We have to grab hold of it. We have to apply it to our lives and say, the truth is this. I am free from condemnation. God has forgiven me. Who can condemn me? No one. I am free from condemnation. I don't feel free from God. I'm free from condemnation. We have to walk in it. We have to grab hold of it. We have to apply it to our lives over and over and over again. Listen, there will be some people who have said or will say to you, if you want to be free from condemnation, you go to God, you accept forgiveness in Jesus Christ, and then you have to learn to forgive yourself. I'm not dissing them. I'm not putting them down. I know what they mean by that. I just disagree. You don't have the power to forgive yourself. If you had the power to forgive yourself, you wouldn't need Jesus. You don't have the authority to forgive yourself. God alone has reserved the right to forgive sins. It's one of the reasons they wanted to kill Jesus because he walked around saying your sins are forgiven. And they said, hey, you're a person. You can't forgive sins. <laughs> said, I'm not just a person. I'm God in the flesh. I have the power to forgive sins. So the, the answer isn't uh, to get rid of self-condemnation, is to learn self-forgiveness. To get rid of self-condemnation, what we have to do is walk in the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. He has said, you're forgiven. You are free. There is no condemnation. Walk free from guilt. Walk free from shame. Walk free from condemnation. We have to apply it to our lives over and over and over again. When the lie comes, speak the truth. Walk it out consistently all the time, but I don't feel, it doesn't matter what you feel. The truth 
will set you free. Forgiveness in Christ sets you free from condemnation. Now, I would love to say that when you come to God and you ask forgiveness, all the painful memories of the past of what you've done go away as well. There are times when God does that and it's supernatural and it's amazing, but most of the time we carry the pain of our sinful actions from the past for the rest of our lives. We carry those, but they're scars now. They're not meant to define you, to condemn you, to keep you trapped. They are meant to help to be woven into the tapestry of God's redemptive work of your life. In other words, what it means is that you look at it and you say, this is what used to condemn me, but now look, this is a, a reflection of what God did in my life. I used to feel shame and guilt over what I did, but now I'm free. So I can tell people about that. I did have an affair. I was unfaithful. I did lie. I did steal. I did cheat. I was full of hate. I was judgmental. I was hypercritical. I was angry. I was all those things, but God forgave me, and I'm no longer feeling condemned by those things. I can tell you about them. It becomes your story that shines a light on God's goodness. See, what once condemned you now points to God's grace, and that is the amazing thing. When he sets you free from condemnation, when you come to him for forgiveness, all of a sudden it's an amazing story of redemption. And that's what he wants for us to be able to do is walk in that so that you can tell people, listen, this is what I did. This is how I felt. But this is who I am. And I am free. I am free. I am free from condemnation. So let's imagine all of us right here in this room decided to be real, real, real honest with the things that we feel condemned by based on the sins of the past, the things we said, the things we thought, the things we did, the way we behaved. And so I handed out to all of us a sticker, a name tag type thing. And we all began to write, I feel condemned because I've lied. I feel condemned because I've cheated. I feel condemned because I've wrestled with porn. I feel condemned because I had sex outside of marriage. I feel condemned because I've had multiple sex partners. I feel condemned because I've um, behaved in, in ways that are hurtful. I feel condemned because I've carried hate in my heart. I feel condemned because I've gossiped. I feel condemned because I've mistreated people based on uh, their sex or based on their race or based on any other external factor. I feel condemned because... And you write all those things. And then we take them and we put them right on our chest. We begin to walk around and be real vulnerable with each other. And what you're going to find is some people are going to be disgusted by you. Oh, I can't believe you did that. Other people are going to be gracious to you. Oh, my goodness. Why? I can't believe you feel like that. Oh, my gosh. You're not that person. That's not who you are. But what we can't do is take that away from each other. We're going to wear that on our chest. But then all of a sudden, God shows up. Jesus shows up. He shows up in the room, holy, perfect. And all of us, all of a sudden, get real interested in the top of our shoes. Or some of us start standing like this. Hey, Jesus. Some of us start looking at the pictures on the wall. Some of us try and hide in the corner. But one by one, Jesus finds each of us and looks at us eyeball to eyeball. And then he looks and says, you know, all those things you wrote. Remember that time you came to me and asked, you, asked me to forgive you? I forgave you. Yeah, I know. I know. He says, well, then let me remove that. 
And as he reaches out, we flinch back and we say, no, that's who I am. And he says, no, 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 that's who you were. That's not who you are. And he removes that name tag. He removes that sticker. He removes that label that says we're all those things. He says, that's not who you are. You are forgiven. You are free. You're free from condemnation. You no longer have to live carrying guilt, shame, and condemnation. No one can condemn you. I don't condemn you. Now, don't live carrying that anymore. That is the freedom he offers us. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, and I ask that you would move in our hearts. Move right now, Holy Spirit. I don't know what you uh, came wearing on your name tag here this morning. I don't know what label you came wearing. I don't know what's written on the sticker of your life. But we all carry something that we feel shame over, guilty over, condemned over. If you've never come and asked God to forgive you, that's where it starts. God, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me for what I've said. Forgive me for how I've hurt that person. Forgive me for the choices I've made. Forgive me for doing this thing, for behaving that way. And he'll forgive you. But for some of us, we've received that forgiveness, but we're not walking free from condemnation. So here's what I want you to do right now in your heart, in your mind, in your thoughts. Begin to think about those things. And now just picture Jesus reaching up and removing that label. You are free from condemnation. Don't leave it in your front pocket to put back on later. Don't leave it stuffed in your purse or your backpack. Don't take it home and hold on to it. You are free from condemnation. But I don't feel you are free from condemnation. But I remember what I did. You are free from condemnation. But sometimes it reminds me you are free from condemnation. Stand in the truth and the truth will set you free. God, I just ask you right now, would you move in a powerful way? If you're here right now this morning and you say, I'm carrying condemnation for things I know I'm forgiven for, but I'm still carrying condemnation. With every eye closed, I just want to ask you in a moment of honesty, vulnerability, transparency, and a moment of courage, just raise your hand and say, I feel condemned. I feel condemned. I know I'm forgiven, but I feel condemned. You can slip your hand down. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you raised your hand or if you didn't, but you'd like to during these next couple songs, there's going to be people up here to pray with you. Just come and let them pray that God's freedom would reign in your life. Maybe you just want to get down on your knees and just spend some time with you and God. That's fine too. But take these next couple songs and just walk in that freedom that God offers you. And then together we're going to receive communion in just a few moments.